Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, also has the truth about life and death. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're with us today, and we're going to study the Bible for the next 30 minutes, and hopefully we'll all know our Bible a little bit better at the end. Uh, The way we script the program is you decide what we talk about. You'll notice a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. You can use those anytime to get in touch with us and tell us what you'd like us to talk about. Any questions you've always had about the Bible or maybe something we answer today will stir a question in your mind. Let us know what it is and we'll try to find you a Bible answer to it. Let me introduce the two men who deal with your questions each week and then we'll get started. Toby Levering's here. Hi, Toby. Good morning, Steve. And Jeff Martin down there. Hi, Jeff. Good morning, guys. Glad you're here and ready to go. And uh, our viewers always get the first one. So here's your question for the day. Uh, town, we need a little geography here. Name the town where Jesus did his first miracle. A lot of people know what his first miracle was, but where was it? So we'll give you the answer to that at the end of the program see if you know a little bit of Bible trivia. Looks like Toby gets to start us off today, so get us going. I have a good question about, um, uh, they asked this question, my friends and I have different opinions about the meaning of a scripture. How should we handle this? Well, uh, first of all, I think it's great that you and your friends are into scripture. That's a commendable thing, and, and as you're searching for truth, to be in the word is the best. Always let your understand that your opinions matter far less and, and your interpretations matter far less than what the scripture actually says. So try to be honest with the scripture. Let the scripture just, and, and as we say on this program a lot, a lot of times if you don't understand the meaning of a particular scripture, just simply backing out a few verses or maybe reading the chapter will give a great uh, a bit of insight into the text itself. We call that giving it context. And I would say probably 80% of our questions uh, that we get on this program could be answered if we just understood a little bit of context. So uh, one suggestion is give it context. Second uh, suggestion is to let the word interpret itself. Psalm 119 verse 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And it's amazing to me how uh, I usually do a Bible reading plan, our family does. And just as you read through it, you'll read verses, maybe even that you've read before, but that they will illuminate, they will uh, open up and help you understand other uh, verses in Scripture. So let Scripture interpret itself, and and that will guide you uh, in your search for truth. Um, And always let the Word... uh, do all of the work and just approach it honestly and openly and do so with prayer and a sense of humility. But I think you're to be commended for uh, being in the Word. Uh, that won't steer you wrong. Just let the Word do the guiding. Let's look at Second Timothy three sixteen and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. So stick with the Word, and it will uh, illuminate uh, not only your path, but the way you should go in life. Hope that helps. 
All right, question about Jesus and persecution. Jesus told Saul that he was persecuting him. Does Jesus still suffer in heaven? Uh, all right, some of our viewers might not know the story, so let's back up just a little bit and cover that. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, Saul, who was a Pharisee who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah, uh, was persecuting Christians. He was persecuting the new church. He thought they were heretics to the Jewish faith. And he was trying to wipe them out. So Acts chapter 8 says that Saul ravaged the church. He was giving them a hard time, uh, arresting Christians, uh, seeing to their execution, things like that. So then in Acts chapter 9, Saul makes his famous journey on the road to Damascus, and Jesus appears to him. And like our viewer says in Acts chapter 9, verse 4 and 5, it says, He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And it was Jesus talking. It was the Lord. So our viewer read that and said, well, Jesus is in heaven. Uh, is he really still suffering? Uh, how can Saul be persecuting him? All right. Um, Jesus doesn't suffer in heaven uh, the way that he did personally when he was on earth. Uh, he suffered on the cross. He, he felt physical pain. He was uh, felt the emotional pain of being separated from God. He, he suffered in all those ways personally as a man. Uh, but here he's been glorified. He's gone back to heaven. And he says he's being persecuted. Uh, I think the best way to explain it is that he suffers with us. He doesn't suffer personally, but he suffers with us. Uh, any parent understands this. If you've got a child that is extremely sick or breaks an arm or something bad happens to them, they're picked on at school, they're, they're suffering, parents suffer with them. And that's what Jesus is talking about here. You're persecuting my people. That means you're persecuting me. In fact, Jesus makes it even more personal than a parent-child, if you will. Uh, interesting passage in Matthew 25. Let's look at that. Matthew 25, verse 40. Jesus is talking about the judgment. And he says that uh, he's going to tell people that they were good to him and they helped him and all that. And they say, when did we do that for you? And he will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these my brothers, you did it to me. Okay. So Jesus says when you feed somebody, give somebody a drink of water, or go visit them in prison, whatever, if they're one of my children, you're visiting me. And then the second part of the passage is, of course, as he says, some people didn't. Uh, pay attention to him, didn't feed him, didn't give him a drink of water. And they say, when did we do that? We never saw you. And he says, when you didn't do it to one of my people, you didn't do it to me. So that's what Jesus is talking about. He suffers with us uh, when we suffer as Christians. Jeff? Yes, I've got a question that I've actually asked myself before, uh, and that is, why is Easter on a different day every year? This can be really confusing, and historically speaking, Easter is a very interesting holiday. Uh, if we were to celebrate Easter specifically from a biblical standpoint, then the resurrection would be celebrated on the first Sunday after the Jewish Passover, but that is not how the date of Easter is decided. Uh, and I have to read this here, but the date of Easter is decided by looking at the first Sunday 
after the first full moon, after the vernal equinox. Uh, and this method obviously results in Easter being all over the place, anywhere from March 22nd to April 25th, uh, which is very confusing. The only thing biblical about the current method of celebration is the fact that it's on a Sunday, uh, which is a good thing. Uh, there are those who suspect that Christians hijacked a, a pagan holiday uh, in order to celebrate the resurrection, to make that pagan holiday better by celebrating the resurrection. Uh, and that might be true, but there's little evidence, and the evidence that exists is, is also all over the map. Uh, the important thing is the Bible doesn't give us a specific holiday during the year that we're supposed to celebrate the resurrection. Uh, but the resurrection is worth celebrating on any day, um, including Easter, even that if that is uh, a pagan holiday. But just like with Christmas, the exact date is not important. What's important is that Jesus Christ was resurrected, but that's where we get uh, the, the Easter dates that are all over the calendar. <laughs> At least it's pretty close to this time of year. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Within a few weeks one way or the other, but uh, <laughs> we don't know exactly when because we get different calendars, I guess, than the Jews did. Okay, let's talk about a good way to study the Bible. Uh, we talk about studying the Bible here and give you some tips every once in a while, but nothing uh, fulfills Bible study like sitting down with your own Bible and reading through it like Toby was talking a moment ago. Uh, home Bible study, personal Bible study. We know a lot of our viewers do that. We know a lot of our viewers haven't ever got started, so we try to help. We've got some tools that we will offer absolutely free of charge. Uh, here's our first set of lessons. There's eight in it, and it's an excellent, good overview of the Bible. Uh, once you get finished with that, we'll send you a certificate that you completed it and offer you some more courses if you'd like to go on to some of the other ones that are a little bit longer and a little more detailed. Uh, you can keep studying the Bible for a long time with Know Your Bible study tools, and like uh, shows there, we provide the postage both the ways, so uh, no cost to you at all. If you'd like to do it online instead of in paper, uh, we've got that option also. Log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org, and they'll fix you up with some online Bible studies that you can do uh, whenever and wherever you want. Don't have to wait for the mailman to show up, so good way to study the Bible, all those are and uh, all of them are free of charge. So use phone number, website at the bottom of the screen, uh, request uh, the Bible studies, and we'll get them started for you, or log on to oneway.worldbibleschool.org and get your own started there online. So study the Bible with us. All right, Toby, what's God's will? That's an easy well, question. Well, yeah, sure. Just, that shouldn't be too hard. I'll give it here in a couple of minutes. Uh, what is God's will concerning burial and cremation? Well, if he has a will, uh, he doesn't express it in the Bible. And we would say the Bible is neutral on that subject. And when you talk about burial and cremation, some people have personal convictions about that. Uh, but the Bible really doesn't give us any direction one way or the other. Um, 
I, we always say that you know, whatever you decide is really between you and the Lord and make sure that you make those wishes known to your family. Uh, but what's happening, of course, in burial and cremation is just simply what to do with the, the shell, what to do with the remains of the physical body. We, of course, know that there is more to the human being than just the physical body. Um, and the soul has left the body once a person has uh, passed away. And so we just, you know, whatever you decide, whatever a person decides is fine. Uh, the Bible really has very little to say. There's one account of when King Saul was cremated. Um, we, of course, know that people were buried, and, of course, Jesus' body was put in the tomb after he died. Uh, but, you know, there's really, all of these are anecdotal, I would say, that the scriptures that do deal with either burial or cremation are simply retelling the account of what happened, but not giving a position as far as God's will is concerned. So with something that's biblically neutral, we just say simply make the best decision that you can, what you are, uh, what you would want, and make sure your family knows about that because that's the hardest thing for a family is if nobody knows and then they can, can create stress, uh, undue stress on your family. Um, we do have a verse in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19, uh, where God says, to Adam, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And that reminds us that, you know, a person, if they're buried, they're going to turn to dust. Now, it may take many hundred years for that to happen fully. Uh, cremation really just speeds up that process. But that which God said to Adam is true. <laughs> we are dust, and be it slow or quickly, we will eventually return to dust as far as the physical body is concerned. So Bible doesn't say anything about it, and uh, we just tell people to make the best decision they can. All right. I think you totally interesting question and kind of a difficult one. The viewers <clears throat> spotted uh, kind of a discrepancy here. It says in Acts 8, the apostles had to lay hands on people for them to receive the Holy Spirit. At Pentecost, people heard they were so we're told they would receive it at baptism. Why the difference? All right. Uh, like I said, a little complicated to understand all the history there, but let's see if we can condense it a little bit. Uh, first of all, let's look at Acts 2.38, where the promise is that our viewer mentioned. And this is on the day of Pentecost, and uh, Peter had just told people who Jesus was and that he was the Messiah and that they had killed him. And they said, what do we do? And uh, he said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So there's the promise the viewer mentioned. As Peter told people, okay, you believe Jesus was the Messiah, trust in him for your salvation, repent, be baptized, your sins will be forgiven, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right first minor point to make here is there's a difference between the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, at baptism, we're promised we'll receive the gift of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, then the Spirit also sometimes in the New Testament gave people miraculous gifts. 
uh, signs, uh, ability to speak in other languages, uh, ability to heal people, uh, all kinds of things for the first few years of the church, and then those ended. Paul said it was going to happen, and secular history shows us it did. Okay, but the story that our viewer mentions in uh, Acts chapter 8 is one of three unique events. I think this is the easy way to think about it. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, uh, the Holy Spirit did something unique. Uh, he fell upon the apostles. He enabled them to speak in other languages. He showed a sign of a, a burning flame over their heads. Uh, and then from then on, he worked with them and enabled them to do miraculous things. The other two unique events were the one our viewer mentions in Acts chapter 8, the, some Samaritans were baptized. On the, the day of Pentecost, everybody that was baptized was a Jew. Then Philip went preaching off in Samaria, and he got some people in Samaria to believe in Jesus, so he baptized them. And he let people in Jerusalem know, and when the apostles found out, they said, whoa, these are the first Samaritans baptized we better go check this out. So they sent Peter and John uh, to check with Philip and the Samaritans, and they believed that they were authentic Christians, if you want to use that term. Uh, so they laid hands on them, and they received some miraculous signs. We believe they were able to speak in other languages like the apostles did on the day of Pentecost. That confirmed to all the other Christians that Samaritans could be part of the body of Christ. Then the next time it happened is in Acts chapter 10 when the first Gentile was baptized. And on that one, Peter went to the house of Cornelius and Peter wasn't sure if he could baptize a Gentile. Uh, but God revealed that to him that, yes, I've said he's clean. Uh, he gave... Cornelius, the ability to speak in other languages. And when Peter saw that, he said, well, nobody can deny that we ought to baptize them. Uh, so they baptized them. They became the first Gentiles in the new church. So those three unique events were more authentication to the rest of the church than they were to normal happenings. Now, all that's history. All that happened. Today, that doesn't seem to happen. Uh, today, what we have is the promise that we read a moment ago in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, that if we repent and are baptized, our sins will be forgiven and will receive the indwelling gift of the Holy Spirit. So uh, the experience of the apostles, the history of the first century church is one thing. Uh, what we have today is another thing. So I hope that helps our viewer understand a little bit the, that bit of history there. All right, I've got a pretty simple one. Uh, was Jesus married? Uh, and every once in a while I get a, a question on Know Your Bible, and I wish I could just answer it with one word. And this is one of those situations. Uh, but unfortunately, because of all the conspiracy theories out there, because of, of the, the wide beliefs and the ability to share those beliefs now with technology, questions like this need to be addressed. 
there are a growing number of people who think that Jesus was married, and specifically they think he was married to Mary Magdalene. There's actually a document out there uh, that they're calling the Jesus Wife Papyrus, where Jesus supposedly said the phrase, my wife. Um, but this papyrus has zero authority, especially compared to Scripture. Uh, and there are many people who believe, actually most believe, uh, this is a forgery. <clears throat> Uh, many times this comes hand in hand with a desire to disprove Jesus as the Son of God. Uh, if we can make him look just like a man, uh, the Gnostics help, that helps us elevate us to, to a godlike level if we, if we take Jesus down a notch. Uh, the answer to any question like this, uh, is best answered through the authority of Scripture. And sometimes the Bible says a lot by what it doesn't say. And this is one of those, those instances. Uh, nowhere in Scripture, whether indirectly or directly, do we hear about Jesus having a human wife. The closest that we can get to this concept biblically um, is the fact that the church is the bride of Christ, which is absolutely true and in the Bible. Uh, but no, nowhere in Scripture, if that's what the viewer is asking, are we given any, indica any indication of Jesus having a, a human wife. Alrighty, thank you, Jeff. Jeff said he'd like to answer questions with one word. I, I have thought about that. That we could, should make up a show uh, of all questions that you could answer in a sentence or left. We could probably do about fifty questions. Like, yeah, fifty questions in one show. That'd be fun. Was Jesus married? No. no. Why is Easter on a different day? No idea. No idea is another one. Yeah. <laughs> But we haven't done that yet, so maybe someday. <laughs> All right, let me take just a moment and invite you to visit the Church of Christ near you. Churches of Christ provide this program for you. We produce it and uh, happy to bring it to you. But uh, we also have a lot of help from some congregations around the uh, viewing areas that help us stay on the air. And we like to thank some of them each week. So today, let me thank the Augusta Church of Christ in central Kansas and uh, the East Point Church of Christ on the east side of Wichita. Uh, if you live in any of those areas in central Kansas, you'd uh, certainly find a group of people at those churches that uh, think and study the Bible a lot like we do here. I know you'd be warmly welcome. Uh, great folks at both of those congregations of the church and have been longtime supporters of Know Your Bible. So give them a visit. Maybe you know somebody that attends the Augusta Church of Christ or the East Point Church of Christ. Uh, if so, tell them that you heard about them, saw them on Know Your Bible, and you uh, appreciate the program and thank them for helping us stay on the air. Whatever viewing area you're in, there's probably a Church of Christ near to you, and we'd invite you to drop in and visit them sometime and tell them you heard about them here. All right, Toby. Yeah, if you want to know about healings, and uh, the question is, does God still heal people? Well, certainly healings occur in Scripture, and we read of those in the Old Testament and the New, but this viewer wants to know, does God still do that? And my answer is, God can still do that if He wants to, but I personally haven't witnessed it, at least not in the way that we see it in Scripture. When we see it done in Scripture, the healing is very clear, it's very real, it's supernatural, there's a lot of witnesses, there's lots of, there's no doubting that it was done. Uh, healings that happen today, you might even see them on, on TV at some point, are not 
at all <laughs> like the biblical healings. Um, so uh, he could, and he certainly can. Uh, the question is, does he? I per- personally haven't witnessed what we see in Scripture. We know in the Gospel accounts uh, that Jesus did a lot of healing. Matthew records that Jesus went through all... This is Matthew nine thirty-five. He went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. Well, why was he doing that? He was doing that because he was good and to show that he had some authority. When you back it up with a miracle, you show that you're not just any teacher or prophet, uh, but that you have uh, power from God. So the healings that are done in the Bible are done for a reason and for a purpose, and it's important that we uh, remember that. In fact, John says at the end of his gospel uh, that Jesus did many other signs which are not recorded in the book, but these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. So don't become so focused on the healings. Remember the purpose behind the healings, and that was to point us to faith and belief in Jesus Christ. Why is that important? Here's a scripture for you. First Peter chapter 2, 24, the greatest healing that Jesus ever did. Uh, he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Jesus did lots of physical healings, but that right there is the greatest healing that Jesus did. Hope that helps you. Okay, yeah. Uh, thanks for the answer. And that, that's right. God, of course, still heals people. But uh, where all healing comes from, he just doesn't yeah. do it. Yeah like he did in the first yeah, century. Yeah. The, the, the supernatural, the miraculous. There, the, yeah. there were people that had the power to say, you're yeah. healed. Yeah. And uh, people try that today, but they're not the same <laughs> thing right. that happened yeah. in the New Testament. They were instantaneous, like you said, and they were undeniable. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody agreed. Okay, he did a miracle. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. certainly still heals people, or we wouldn't pray for people if we didn't think he healed people. Yeah. So. We still pray. Yeah. All right, here's uh, another one, and this one goes on our list for one-word answers. Uh, I heard a saying that cardinals appear when angels are near. Is that in the Bible? answer is no. That is not in the Bible. Uh, actually, I did a little bit of researching on that, just looking. I got to wondering, where did that saying come from? And I've heard it before. Uh, and I couldn't find out where it came from. There are a whole lot of websites and uh, writings out there on the Internet uh, about this idea and uh, kind of glanced through a few of them, and there's a whole lot of feeling in these uh, passages uh, that say, I feel like when I see a cardinal, I feel really close to my dear departed so-and-so. A lot of people attach something spiritual to the appearance of a cardinal. Now, a cardinal, a male cardinal, is a very pretty bird, very flashy. You can uh, spot them almost anywhere, especially if there's a little snow on the ground. You can see cardinals real easy, uh, but there's nothing angelic or spiritual about them. If it makes you feel better to see a cardinal, it makes me feel better to see a cardinal. Uh, I just never thought that it was uh, anybody's spirit coming back to visit me. So cardinals are pretty birds. 
not the prettiest bird, but they're close. Uh, wood ducks are the prettiest bird, by the way. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this one goes on our list. Uh, one word answer, no. Cardinals are not in the Bible in the sense of uh, angelic appearances. All right, let's visit our uh, trivia question, make sure we get it answered. And it was uh, name the town where Jesus did his first miracle. And some of our viewers probably knew that was in Cana town of Cana, and the miracle, for your information, was he turned water into wine when his mother asked him to. In John chapter 2, you can read that story. So, Jesus' first miracle. Glad you've been with us today, and I uh, hope you've got some of the answers to your questions. Uh, if not, come back next week, and we're going to be answering some more. We're glad you've been with us. Till next week, you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational, and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions, and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.